Sedan looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Special final, Jason Jones from the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer, Joe Patrick, 92.1. Now the game, Dirty South Soccer, is over there. And Joe, we have a special guest today, Peter Coates from Galazzo, Argentina, is with us for the second time. The second time. And yeah. actually, I went back and listened to the original episode, and I was kind of shocked at what the content was, because I, I thought we had had Peter on to talk about a coaching search the first time and everything like that. No, we we just wanted to talk about Tata hinting that he may go back to the Argentine national team or like Colombia or something like that. We didn't know Tata had left yet. Um, <laughs> so it's good to have Peter back at, at a place where we actually know what's going on um, <laughs> instead of things that I've already completely forgot about. Peter, how are we doing? I'm good. Thanks. Pleasure to be back on it. And as you say, nice to be uh, talking about something for certain and, and talking about Tata, a nice continuation from, from Tata's work, hopefully. Exactly. Hopefully, right. Exactly. And that's kind of what we wanted to really kind of nail down. Because um, I think a lot of us are, you know, we're, we're doing our research, we're reading, but we maybe don't have a first-hand experience of Gabriel Heinze. Um, But you have obviously, you know, you've covered him at Velas and at a couple other places as well. But I think what we're really trying to nail down right now is kind of where he fits on that Bielsa spectrum, right? We know Tata was kind of maybe he shot away from that, maybe leaned a little bit towards a, a more practical approach to things. In your view, uh, kind of where does Gabriel Heinze kind of line up on that Bielsa scale? Yeah, I mean, I think he is a bit more practical. When you hear him speak, he, he speaks quite often on some of the fundamentals of how the game should be played, like Bielsa in terms of, um, how they, how he wants his team to use the ball and and be fairly uncompromising in in his style. But I think when you watched his Velez team, there wasn't too many occasions when you kind of were left pulling your hair out, as maybe you do with some of the else's teams. Um, certainly, you know, this week probably that's highlighted more than ever. With <laughs> yeah. the of the um, but there weren't really those situations, and, and I think he did show an adaptability in game as well where he'd start with maybe one one formation but then tweak things so there, i think there's a slightly more perhaps modern approach where yeah he, he obviously is from that Niels old boys school of thought which is heavily influenced by bielsa but i think throughout his career has obviously come with his own ideas and, and kind of brought them all together into his own style so i do think he, he takes a lot of the positives from bielsa but i wouldn't necessarily be looking at it as a warning signs already like oh could we end up with one of those <laughs> in a situation where okay people maybe give us some props for playing nice football but it, it all comes crumbling down I mean we haven't seen that so far Peter I wanted to ask you to just kind of take us through um Heinz's situation at Velez and kind of explain where Velez was when he took over and kind of what he did with them because it sounds like it's not a club that um you know, has necessarily title aspirations or, I mean, I'm sure they aspire to win a title, but you know, it's not like they're expected to do so. And it sounds like they were kind of in um, a, a, a kind of a downturn um, when he took over and, and he really overachieved with them. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, historically, maybe Velez aren't a small team. I mean, when you talk about Argentinian football, you talk about the big five and Velez would probably make a claim to be the sixth. 
<laughs> in some ways. I mean, you have Boca River, Racing Independiente, San Lorenzo in Buenos Aires, and then Vélez also in Buenos Aires. You know, they, they have won the Copa Libertadores, they've won league titles, so that they kind of hold on to that. As a Tottenham fan, I'm very familiar with this situation. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm glad you did. But yeah, continue. <laughs> that's kind of the, their situation. But saying that, at the time when Heinze came in as manager, yeah, they, they were more or less towards the bottom of the, the relegation table, because obviously in Argentina, the relegation is, is set over three-season average, years, and, yeah. and Vélez were in trouble. So it wasn't a team that came in saying oh, we we're expecting to go and try and challenge for the titles as such. I think they just wanted to see some progression. And they, they certainly saw that to the point where they are back in continental competition. Um, obviously playing in the Sudamericana now at the moment, they're in the semifinals of that. Um, their league position from the tournament where I'd say was managers now being upgraded to qualify them for the 2021 Copa Libertadores. So all of those boxes are ticked. It didn't result in them winning the league title or domestic title, but he got them back into that kind of top four, top five section, um, which can only be seen as a positive. Um, and, and I think you just look at the, the wider context as well, not just of Belez's league position, but also how they were playing football and the young players that he brought through at the club, who obviously have financially benefited as well, because so many of them, so many of them in the last two years have been sold to Europe, um, not for maybe astronomical sums of money by European prices, but certainly for an Argentinian club, a massive amount to, to balance the book. Yeah. And that's one thing that, you, I mean, something that you pointed out on Twitter when um, he was uh, formally announced was the fact that he's done a lot of, he's had a lot of his success with, with young players. And obviously that's kind of something that um, just from us over here uh, in Atlanta, you know, that's something that they've always kind of, the club has always, um, made a big impression. One kind of continued to drill down that we want to do this with young players. We want to do this with an attacking style. Uh, and it sounds like that is going to be, um, he's going to kind of fit right into that mold as being a guy who will, I, I you know, I think, I feel like sometimes with managers, it's, it's just having the trust in being able in, um, you know, having that confidence that those young players are going to be out and be able to go out there and actually fulfill the duties that, uh, that a manager, um, wants them to do. But it sounds like he's comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, certainly his, his tenure at Velez, um, but also before that with Argentinos Juniors as well, it was mm. very, very similar. He, he, he got them promoted um, back into the top flight at the first time of asking. And again, it was a lot of that was built on young players from the academy um, who were then able to be sold on. Um, but for that season, had a really important part in his first team and did exactly the same with Velez. And yeah, I, th I think at the club, probably the, the, the club that's closest to my house. So the training ground that I, I spent the most time at watching reserve games. And even though the first team were training more or less at the same time, Gabriel Anza would always be in between when he had some moments watching the younger teams. So I think it was something which he clearly had an eye on because he wanted to know exactly which players would be close to him bringing into the first team setup. And he continuously did that. Um, you know, there's players now that are in Europe, maybe not having the most success in the world, like Matthias Vargas, for example, mm -hmm. um, but who was brilliant coming into the first team under Einstein. Um, So I think it's an encouraging thing for Atlanta. Now, obviously, I think with MLS clubs, that process is probably some years behind because it's going to take a long time to start seeing the benefits of academy work and youth players coming through. When you look at especially a team like Argentinos Juniors, it's one of the most historic academies in, in Argentina. So 
you have that there already in place um, and you know that there's going to be every couple of years some good players coming through. So there's that benefit. But I think it will be an important factor for Einstein. And it's another point that I made when they confirmed it that I feel as though anyone in Atlanta or any supporters who are looking at it kind of thinking, oh, it's, it's kind of a bit short term. Um, I don't think Gabriel Einstein strikes me as a kind of guy who looks at it as I'll, I'll just come in and if I get another offer in when in a few months, I would consider it because I think he's someone who could have gone to, he could have taken other offers in this period since he left Velez. Yeah. Um, you know, Palmeiras came in for him. Um, one of the biggest teams in Brazil, in South America, with a big budget in the Libertadores would have been a really easy job for him to, to say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that because I can now have some of the money to play around with, which, which I think was one of his, annoyances at Velez eventually with players getting sold and him not really getting the replacements he wanted. Um, but he didn't take those kind of offers and instead waited. And it sounds as though now when you look at some of the stuff Atlanta have now released in videos or have been speaking the club, that this isn't some this is something they were speaking to about for quite a period of time. And what is also quite clear is that that communication was very much two ways. I mean, the club obviously wanted Einstein and impressed upon him what they were looking for but you get the impression and it certainly fits in with what you know of Gabriel Ante as a character that he will have had probably even more expectations of them to say okay but if I come in and I would want to be doing things this way I want to be looking at I want this kind of investment in here and us to be like doing this and this so the fact that they agreed on all that I think is a positive step and it, and it should see I think for me the, the growth of the club well, he's already started to make a couple of changes, or at least hinted at it anyway. And I wanted to ask you about one player in particular who Atlanta has already been linked with as someone who the Dainze is going to be able to kind of drag along potentially uh, as a Boca Juniors player. Augustino Mendra has been linked, uh, according yeah. to Cesar Merlo, Felipe Cardenas as well. Um, can you give us a little insight on the 20-year-old? Uh, we don't really kind of know too much about him. He seems to be kind of a little bit of a, an enigmatic figure a bit in Argentina. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because it, I think maybe one year ago, if you had said an MLS team were coming in from you, you'd have probably thought well, it's going to cost a, a fortune mm. because he was a guy who was involved in Argentina's under-20s, was breaking into the Boca Juniors team and, and playing semi-regularly for the first team. And, is, and was a really impressive young player I mean, of the national team stature. So a guy who at the time people would have been saying that this is a guy who in the future could definitely be playing for the national team. Um, since then, there's been some kind of problems at Boca uh, off the field, which has led to him kind of basically being sidelined. So it comes maybe at a good time for all parties to to make a move. Um, but as a result, that expectation has come way down. But that means that Atlanta could get the potential of a really bargain player of, of someone with huge potential, but because he's fallen out of favour, comes at a, a much lower price than maybe he would have been had he been continuing on his form from one year ago. So I think it's it's a really interesting signing. I think stylistically he brings a lot to the table because he can tackle, he's good in possession, he gets forward, he's quite dynamic. Um, so it would be interesting to see where he, where he fits into uh, Atlanta midfield. And, uh, and I think it, it'll be interesting to see where Einstein goes with his starting 11 in Atlanta, because I think the midfield is, is a key area for him, particularly the number five, as we would say in Argentina, or the, the six, as, as you guys would say. But six here, yeah. It's such an important 
position in Argentina, and particularly for, for Gabriel Ainsi with Argentinos Juniors, and at Vélez was the same. Whoever played at the base of the midfield was kind of the fulcrum of his team because mm. it, they started all of the moves. They come in, they have to be very good on the ball to play those forward passes, but it enable the change of the formation because if you play with a back four, he wants his fullbacks to, to really go forward and attack. But it's the number five that then comes back in between the two central defenders to create a three and allows the fullbacks to go forward. So it's a really important position. Um, and I think it will certainly be one which Einzel will be looking at the current roster and thinking who will be that player who I lean on or do I need to go out and bring someone in? He'll be looking at the current roster and being like, there is nobody on this <laughs> roster that can fill that. <laughs> Literally the, the guy that Tata relied on to be, to, to fill that role, just retired Jeff Lorenowitz. Um, so seriously, there is a huge gap, but maybe that's one of the um, reasons why, you know, maybe it's like, okay, well, if there's not a clear guy who can play that role, that that's a clear, you know, target acquisition for us in the transfer market that we can go out and really get somebody that I like. So um, I want to kind of go back to something you were saying earlier though, Peter, uh, and it's something because it's something that I asked him in the press conference yesterday, but of course in classic uh, Gabriel Einze style that we're already experiencing the, uh, <laughs> the answers are, are kind of just short. And especially if you're going through a translator, like we were in the English speaking portion, it's just like, there's not really a great uh, syntax there. Can add one thing real quick. Yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. point out that at the, at the end, he did extend his time. It's not like he's just oh, being yeah. dismissive of us in any way. It's just his his style is to be very short. I think he wants to make sure everyone gets their questions in. Um, <laughs> so I don't want anyone to like see the stuff we're saying, being like, oh, this, this dick came in here. And now he's just being a jerk to us. No, it's not that. It's not that. Um, okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think one of the more most interesting things about the hire is just the fact that a guy like him would come to not just Atlanta, but to come to MLS, to come to North America, to come to this soccer market that is still very much kind of in development when he had opportunities, like you said, to go to Palmeiras to even potentially, I think there was a Marseille rumor. Um, there have been, of course, you know, people who just speculate that he would be a, a good manager in a, one of those top five leagues over in Europe. So um, I'm just wondering if there's been any kind of reaction in Argentina to him making this move or if they're not just kind of like what your opinion of all that is. Yeah, I mean, the, the reaction ha hasn't been negative. I mean, it just got reported as Atlanta have their new manager. And I think it's become so increasingly common now that, that players are making the move to MLS mm. that it, that it's no longer a surprise. I think um, maybe more of a surprise when, when Tata went because yeah. Atlanta was a new club as well. And, and it was kind of like, okay, that's as it seems to be a really significant move. Um, and then obviously bringing in um, Almiron as well at the same time, not from one of, the, again, the traditionally big clubs in Buenos Aires, but at the time, Lanús had won the league and it was considered a, a real coup. So now I think the Argentinian media, and I think myself or anyone else who kind of interacts with both leagues, is no longer that surprised because the, the level of scouting now from all the MLS clubs in Argentina and South America is just through the roof. Mm. And I think it's only going to keep, in, keep in, increasing because of the fact that there's a lot more money <laughs> in, yeah, yeah. in MLS than there, <laughs> yeah. than there is yeah. in, um, in South America. I mean, just, just with the economies as well, not, not necessarily the leagues, but you can go and earn dollars. <laughs> right. It's, it's a lot better than earning your salary in Argentinian peso. So um, I, I think it's something which is becoming more and more common. And I think the more moves as well that you then get from coaches and players who were able to go to MLS and then still go to Europe 
is going to see, again, even more fuel to that because players are going to look at it as, okay, it's not the end of the road for me at all. It's just a way maybe to go and earn a bit more money, experience a new league, and then I can still go to Europe. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it, it's that move for Gabriel Einstein. As I said in a tweet, it's not going to be long-term in terms of, oh, I'm going to stay in, in MLS, I think, for 20 years. <laughs> right. But Atlanta won't be expecting <laughs> that. The league's not expecting that, but it could still be hugely beneficial for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting Absolutely. because Absolutely. like like what you said, you know, with Tata, it was very much a surprise. And it's interesting to see that kind of becoming normalized over over the course of time. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Sam. Well, yeah, no, it was something else that's become normalized, at least in Atlanta, is to have uh, a Noel's old boy connection. Uh, this is another person, another person coming in uh, who has that connection, who played for the team. Um, I kind of wanted to get a, a better idea of what's kind of become a, a sister club to Atlanta United at this point. Uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about the culture of those old boys and why it seems it, it could just be one of those, um, you know, classic soccer coincidences, but it, it seems to be a uh, a club that has produced coaching talent and talent that seems to end up here in Atlanta for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, Rosario is, is, is a, is a strange place because it's, it's not Buenos Aires and it's one of the few places in the country, which kind of doesn't then just, even though it's not in Buenos Aires, just switch to Boca and River. So you go to Rosario and it's very much its own, its own thing. And it's either Newell's or Rosario Central. So, so it's this football craze bubble. Um, and you know, there's that slight inferiority complex, I guess, that comes from being a second city. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I think it, that kind of has fueled Newell's a lot along the way. And when you go to the culture that you talk about, a lot of that does obviously stem from, from Bielsa because of that period in the, the early nineties when Bielsa created this, this revolution in, in the club and the way they played football the success and, you know, they won the league title, they won two league titles that didn't end up winning the Copa Libertadores, but he, he elevated them to, to be able to compete with the likes of Boca and River in, in Buenos Aires. So off the back of that, we're now seeing that sort of next generation of managers. A lot of the players that came through that system, when you, when you look at likes of Martino, Pochettino, um, Beriso, all, all of these managers that will undoubtedly be disciples of Bielsa because I think it's unquestionable you just have to look at even in modern times that we're not yet seeing managers players that are coming through to be managers that you hear the Leeds players talk about Bielsa and the impact he's had mm-hmm. on their careers and he just seems like one of those coaches um, who without winning trophy just has that impact on players if they buy into what he sells um, and, I, and I think that's what we saw from the 90s with Newell's they obviously dream of one day having a reunion with Bielsa back in, <laughs> in Rosario in the stadium that bears his name. Um, that maybe is a romantic notion, but um, there's a lot of people that now carry on that tradition. Um, and yeah, as you say, Atlanta now have, a, have another one. And uh, yeah, I think it, it will be very interesting. I think it's just, in a way, it's a shame that Atlanta weren't able just to, to find someone post Martino just to, to carry that on because I, I think it would work. It works well. If you can instill the the idea within a club, and that doesn't have to be strictly Bielsa, but a, 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 mm-hmm. you know a, a club idea that certain managers are able to to work with better, and I think that really that's what Atlanta need to be doing, I guess, in terms of when they appoint their managers, is who can then 
carry that on fairly successfully, even without without copying the, the guy before they have to come in with their own ideas, of course. But I think uh, Einse is, is an ideal guy to come in and, and continue the, the work. We just forget um, a year or so in between. <laughs> You just summed up exactly what we've been thinking for two years and exactly what we've been talking about for the last two weeks, I guess. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the whole crux of the entire thing. We can't kind of believe that they just didn't do this in the first place, but but here we are. Here we are. Well, it's funny you mentioned it. it Joe, do you have anything else? Well, I, I just, it, it blows my mind that Heinze played on the same team as one of the players here, Franco Escobar. Like they played for a year at Newell's there at the end. And I find that such an interesting dynamic for him to be so young as a manager. And I, I, I've, I've wondered if players will respond to him better or worse or whatever because of his age. Is, is, are, is he out of the ordinary in Argentina in terms of the, the manager, managers at the top flight in terms of, cause he's just so young. Four 42 years old now um, going into his third club already. Um, has that been any sort of talking point around Gabriel Heinze? No, because, because I think of who he is, you know, because of his, his name recognition, I think it, it was always clear that he was going to try and go into coaching. So as soon as he retired, there was a short spell that he was in charge of Godoy Cruz. And I, and I think at the time there was a problem because he didn't yet have his, his badge. To, to actually be in the dugout so he had to he was spending some of the time in the stands and it you know only lasted 10 games or so it was a fairly disastrous short spell in charge um but i think as a result because of who he is it, it didn't really cause that much of it a talking point i think in argentina in general um one of the issues pre of years gone by was that we often saw the same recycling of these old coaches with very stagnant ideas I'd say I, I think is part of that new breed, and we're seeing it in Argentina, you know, with Gachado at River, Becca Sese at Racing, um, of a lot younger coaches now being able to make their mark in Argentina, and I think it's improved the the, the style of play because we're seeing these guys like I'd say come in with a, with a fresher perspective of how the football should be played, um, and I, I don't think yeah, it's been good for Argent- the Argentinian league. It, it's been good for these guys to be able to get really good experience at a young age as you say straight out from playing as a professional really um and i think in the long run it will be beneficial for other leagues and and for argentina because these guys will all be guys who i think in the long run probably the national team will be looking at as potential candidates at some point to Mm -hmm. try and take on the national team sam you got anything else no, excellent stuff, Peter. We appreciate you as always. Uh, and like I said, glad we could get you in when things were a little more concrete um, and uh, appreciate your time. If you want to go ahead and plug anything you want to plug, now's no, the time. I mean, as, as you said, Colasso Argentino on Twitter and um, yeah, that's all, all my all my stuff's there. If you're not following Peter, I mean, please like, uh, take our advice. He's a fantastic follow for all things Absolutely. Argentine football. You've been a resource for me for years now. So, um, yeah, just great stuff there. And I can't recommend you enough. Thank, thanks so much for taking the time to come on, Peter. No, no, thanks very much for that. It's a pleasure as always. And um, hopefully we can talk again soon uh, with some positive uh, results in Atlanta and <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, the, right. the hope of something big with Einstein. That's right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Peter. All right. Cheers, guys.